Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. Elm City Church is a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together. No matter where you're at, these messages are meant to equip and strengthen you for the journey. You can find out more by visiting elmcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. It is great to see all of you uh, just together. I was talking to Justin this morning just about the unique gift that we have to come and worship Jesus together like this. Um, that we you know, often will say, hey, you don't go to church, you are the church. But at the same time, there is something special about when the church gathers to worship God corporately. Um, so this is, don't, kids, don't ever take this for granted that we get, that we get to do this like, like, like we do. And we've been in a series called In Good Faith, being about what Jesus is about. And the, really the motivation for this series was thinking through, okay, in this cultural moment where uh, partisanship is an all-time high and kind of feeling pulling people apart at the seams, when there's this outrage cancel culture that we're just, we're just immersed in this. So how do we, how, how do followers of Jesus kind of rise above it and love the world around us with the gospel and word and deed? So that's, that was kind of why we are doing this series. How do we operate in good faith? And the impetus was we finished the whole, uh, went through the book of Colossians. At the very end, Paul says something in Colossians 4 or 5 to the extent of uh, walk wisely towards outsiders so that they may use the best use of the time. And so the thought is, okay, for us, how do we in this moment live wisely so that we can best use the moment that we're in? And as part of this series, we're currently kind of in the midst of a prayer initiative. So throughout, throughout the whole church, we're asking everyone, we're probably you know, halfway through, of take 50 days through this series and just pray. Pray based on Colossians 2, 4 through 6, that God would open doors for the gospel. That when those doors are opened, you'll have the boldness to walk through them. That you can speak with clarity, that the Holy Spirit will guide you, and that you would walk wisely in this time. Because the thing really is that no strategy, no initiative is going to change anybody's hearts. There's no, hey, just you know, cook it up just right. Um, the only thing that is going to change people, change you, is a work of God. And so what we are praying for is that to happen, and then we can be blessed to be a part of it. And that is our hope, and my hope for us as a, as a church. Um, but kind of as we were in the middle of this series, I felt it was important to uh, take a step back from what we're talking about. It's still in the same uh, vein, because I don't want us to go through this whole thing and you walk away with the idea of like, all right, here are five more things I have to do. So I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this, when everyone kind of feels pretty overwhelmed, and the last thing they probably want is to feel like they have to add six more things to their plate. Because ultimately, our doing for Jesus flows out of our being with Jesus. And we can't give away what we don't possess. So if we are not filled ourselves with the love of Jesus, if we are not experiencing the gospel in our lives in a freeing way, um, as I was just, we were worshiping through song in those first two songs and just... Um, even that one line in the first one of just like, we're free. We're free, forever we're free. Just this reconciliation that God has given us, how he's freed us from sin. It's like, man, that needs to permeate deep down into us uh, because we can't give away what we don't, what we don't possess. But the good news of what we're gonna talk about this morning is that it can. 
And sometimes it's just, oh, you need the ability just to remember. Hey, remember what Jesus has done. Remember what it means that God has gone before us. Remember what it means that he has called you. Remember what it means that he loves you. Um, and I think I might be more aware of this because just in this season of uh, not needing to add another list of, of dues, because uh, I don't know about you, I currently find myself just a little bit weary. Weary in my soul, uh, feeling a little bit dry, not, not, not empty as if I am, you know, doubting the goodness of God, anything like that, but just kind of tired. Anyone resonate? Or I, I was shocking. I was, I was surprised. I was pretty sure I wasn't the only one. Uh, yeah, it's easy to get there. And I had an illustration that I forgot to grab, but just imagine in my hands I have a coffee cup here, an eight-ounce coffee cup. So if that's full, how much coffee do I have to give away? It's an eight-ounce coffee cup. There we go, eight ounces. Uh, if, I don't fill, if I don't replenish it, all I have is eight ounces to give away. I can be walking around with this great cup, but it doesn't matter if there's nothing in it. And in a sense, I feel like that's an okay analogy for us with Jesus, although I always get really frustrated with the, uh, Jesus like fills up your spiritual gas tank and those type of things, because no, Jesus wants us to abide and be intimately connected. But it's still this understanding we can get. If we don't have anything, if we're empty or dry, we have nothing we can, we can give out. Uh, and so, but Jesus wants you to be filled with him and wants you to uh, abide, be connected, because you can't give away what you don't possess. So I want the, the verse I want to use this morning that was very encouraging to me is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Because to the extent, it's, it's really the extent that we experience God's love in our life, that is the extent that we're going to be able to give it to others. The extent that God's love is in us is the extent that we're going to be able to give it to others. And I'm hoping these three verses will encourage you, will spur you on in your love of Jesus, because you can see how much God has loved you first. The security that that brings, the truth that brings, and then that enables you to love others well. So this is Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, and it says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help time of need. It's pretty good, huh? Amen, amen for that. Uh, the book of Hebrews, it's really just one long sermon written to followers of Jesus, uh, early followers of Jesus who are very steeped in the Old Testament. And so, in one sense, it's, it's, some of the stuff in this passage would probably take too long to explain because the writer's writing to a group of people he just assumes almost have a graduate level knowledge of the Old Testament and the Old Testament law. Um, but the scriptures are still clear, and we can still understand them without having, having that level. And the, really the two exhortations, the two commands that are in these verses are this. Hold firmly to the faith you possess, and you, you can approach the throne of grace with confidence. The encouragement, the command, hold firmly to the faith you possess, and then Approach the throne of grace with confidence. So 
So just look at that first one where he says in, in, in verse 14, he says, let us hold fast our confession. That's the image of just grabbing onto something, not letting go, no matter what. Let us hold fast our confession. But when it comes to following Jesus, have you ever felt like just kind of given up? When it comes to following Jesus, have you ever felt like, you know, maybe it would just be easier to just take a break? You know, maybe it would just be easier if I, you know, went the uh, Elsa and Frozen route of no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. I won't start singing. (laughs) Wayne is a big, strong no. Amen for Wayne. (laughs) But I think maybe you haven't been wanting to go fully like no, but I think we all have understood what it means to just be tired. Hey, maybe it would be easier. Why do I struggle so hard? Why can't I just do what everybody else does? It seems like it's working out well for them. Why do I have to hold so strong to this confession of faith? The encouragement of the the writer to Hebrews is, one, I hear you, because he wouldn't be encouraging them to hold fast if there wasn't the temptation to not hold fast. So he's saying, I hear you, but don't let go. Hold fast to your confession of faith in Jesus. Endure through difficulty, and here's why. Because we have a great high priest, a great sympathetic high priest named Jesus, the Son of God. And this is a theme that runs all throughout uh, the, book, the book of Hebrews. And uh, the, the writer of Hebrews talks about a high priest. And what that really was, the high priest was the main representative in that culture between Israel and God. He was the intercessor, the go-between. So let me read just a couple more verses. This is five, one through three that explains it. He's continuing on the thought, he says, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. And he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for the sins of the people. Um, So that's just the writer of Hebrew explaining this. But again, the people who are hearing this for the first time, they, they, they would have known that. Uh, they weren't kind of at the disadvantage we are coming into this text. And so that would have been something that was resonating with them. And so maybe this example will help of what sort of the high priest does between the people and God. And this is the very lowest level that it could possibly be at. Uh, so did you ever kind of growing up, you know, maybe, maybe get in trouble, something with where you know your parents were going to get on you about it. And so maybe you're like, I got a great idea. I'm going to send one of my siblings Hey, go talk to mom and dad for me. Almost intercede for me. Say, hey, you know what? Um, can you just tell them it was an accident? Uh, can you tell them it was partially your fault? Uh, can you tell them that, I'm, that, that, that I feel really bad about it? In a very base sense, that's almost what the, the high priest would do for the Israelites because it was someone that was the go-between between Israel and God who would go, who would go stand in their place Offer, offer a sacrifice for them and go as their representative. Um, and really what it was, uh, this is talking about, it's talking about access to God. This whole thing is talking about our ability to have access to God. So it was very encouraging in a sense for the people to know, hey, the person who intercedes for us, who offers a sacrifice for us, he is one of us. He gets it. 
He understands our weaknesses and our failings and our flaws. So he is not this unsympathetic figure, but someone who is among us. And so when he offers us sacrifices to God to atone for our sin, it's not someone who's looking down on us like this, you know, pathetic mess who can't uh, uh, live up to it or can't measure up. He is one of us. Um, and once a year, he would go into what's called the Holy of Holies. It was in the temple. It was like the hot spot for God's presence. And he would offer a, offer a sacrifice for the atonement of the people uh, once, once a year. So why even bring this up? I know I started with this introduction of this is going to be really encouraging to all you tired and worn out people who are just wanting to you know, know how much God loves them and why should they care. Why does this thing about the high priest in Israel, how is this supposed to comfort us? I promise you, it does. Because Jesus is our high priest. But he is not just uh, our high priest. He is our sympathetic high priest. Because I really firmly believe, again, I'm 37, not super old, but I've been in ministry long enough, talk, talking with Christians long enough, uh, especially those of you who've been around the church a lot, that I feel like a lot of Christians walk around feeling like God is perpetually disappointed in them. I feel like a lot of Christians walk around feeling like they don't measure up, that they're not good enough, and that God is just perpetually disappointed and them not being what they should be. Maybe you felt that. Maybe you do feel that. Listen to this good news. The author of Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest, a representative, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, with, with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So one of the things that has always kind of, kind of blown me away about, the, about Christianity as I, as I continue to think about it and is, is that Jesus, while still, while still being 100% God, took on the fullness of humanity. That Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And in this life that he lived, he willingly did not take the easy road. We really have a sympathetic high priest because he put himself through difficulty, through struggles. Uh, he had friends betray him. He had family drama. He experienced pain. He experienced hunger. Time, I mean, even on the cross, there's a moment where he experienced loneliness. So we have a high priest who both can say, yeah, I get it. But also was perfect and never sinned. It's like we, we get the best of both worlds with, with Jesus. Have you, anyone ever watched the show or seen the show Undercover Boss? That's one of those things I use this illustration a few times and I'm realizing, I know, the, I know the gist of the show. I don't actually know if I've ever watched it all the way through. But the basic gist of Undercover Boss is you get a CEO, you get someone who's the head of a large corporation who gets filmed going around, in a sense, undercover, doing some of the dirty work doing some of the work of the entry-level workers and experiencing the frustrations or the, the highs and the lows of what it's like to be sort of on the front lines. You know, in that way, Jesus is the ultimate undercover boss. He took on the lowest of the low. He came as a servant. Uh, he exempted himself of nothing. He was God and king, but claimed none of those privileges. 
my friend Aaron, he's, a, he's in a band called My Epic, and probably at least a decade ago, he wrote a song called Lower Still. And every time I read Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, and it talks about how we have a great sympathetic high priest, I always am reminded of the lyrics of this song. And so I'm not gonna play it for you, but I just wanna read you the lyrics. Because it, it starts at Jesus' birth, goes all the way through his life, and it just shows how as our great high priest, how he humbled himself. And just at the moment you think he couldn't humble himself more, he humbled himself more. So let me, let me, let me read it to you. This is starting with, the, with his birth. And again, this was all willingly chosen. Uh, it says, look, he's covered in dirt. The blood of his mother has mixed with the earth. And she's just a child who's throbbing in pain from the terror of birth by the light of a cave. Now they've laid that small baby where creatures come eat, like a meal for the swine who have no clue that he is still holding together the world that they see. They don't know just how low he has to go, lower still. Look, now he's kneeling, he's washing their feet, although they're all filthy fishermen, traitors and thieves. Now he's pouring his heart out and they're falling asleep, but he has to go lower still. There is greater love to show, hands to the plow. Further down now, blood must flow. All these steps are personal. All his shame is ransom. Oh, do you see? Do you see just how low he has come? Do you see it now? No one takes from him what he freely gives away. Be in his skin, tear the skin off his back, lower still. Strip off his clothes, make him crawl through the streets, lower still. Hang him like meat on a criminal's tree, lower still. Bury his corpse in the earth like a seed, like a seed, lower still. Think about that, what Jesus did for us. But then with the resurrection, it says, the earth explodes, she cannot hold him, and all therein is placed beneath him, and death itself no longer reigns. It cannot keep the ones he gave himself to save. And as the universe shatters and the darkness dissolves, he alone will be honored. We will bathe in his splendor as all heads bow lower still. As all heads bow lower still. This is our God. This is our Savior. This is our great high priest. That is who I want to follow. A God who would do that for you so that you could know him, that is, that is someone worth giving your life to. That is worth someone giving everything to because he has shown you what love truly is in a way you never understand. So when Jesus says, I'll be there for you, you can trust me. I never break my promises. We can look to that and say, wow, if that is true, like, then the rest of this is true. So he goes on and says, because of all of that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The thing that we need most is the thing that God is just wanting to give to us. Mercy and grace. The thing that we desperately need in our time of weaknesses. He says, confidently come to me. Confidently come to the throne because I have on offer what you need. So when things get tough, don't run from him, run to him. 
when you're struggling and down, when you find yourself falling into sin again, when you feel like a failure, cast your cares upon him because you have a great high priest who has gone through a struggle, allowed himself to feel what temptation is like, but yet never failed. He lived that perfect life for you so that you could be reconciled to him and know from him and know him. And so then, as people who have been changed by his mercy and grace, as people who that is a reality in our lives, we can then live lives of good faith in this season. So then, when we are secure in this, when Jesus says, bless those who persecute you, pray for those who are your enemies, endure suffering, endure hardship, trying to do that without first feeling and embracing this is going to be impossible. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to feel like, I can't do that. But when you remember, a great sympathetic high priest who loves you, who gave himself for you, that you can cast your sin and your weakness and your failings on him. Man, you can, you, you can, you can hold strong to your confession when that, when that is your reality.